So one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, this morning, uh, actually one of the key themes that we're going to be looking at, is a, is a theme of, of worry and anxiety. And I think one of the characteristics of our culture is we live in a culture that worries a lot. If you were to summarize what you worry about or what you're anxious about in one or two words, what would it be? Take a moment and tell your neighbor what you are anxious about. Now, some of you, you're anxious about pastors asking you to do something in the middle of a service. So that could be one of your things you're anxious about. But just take a moment, say to your neighbor one thing or in, in one or two words what you worry about. Okay, go. All right. I guess you worry about a lot of things. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm often very, very anxious about is traveling. And so for me to take my family overseas Leading up to that, man, it was a battle for me. Because I, I just get very, very anxious when I travel. And I'm one of those guys that if we're going to take a ferry to the island, um, I'll get there at noon and my kids will say, what time's our ferry, Dad, at noon? And I'll say, no, it's at 3. That's when the reservation is. <laughs> just thought we'd get here early. Um, I get to the airport three hours ahead. Um, I'm, I'm just one of those people. And, and, and even going through customs, I'm one of those people that, that I worry about, you know, maybe I have an apple without a sticker on it or, or you know, liquid that's, you know, over the, you know, the, the required amount. And, and I just, I'm a very, very anxious traveler. Anybody else an anxious traveler? Yeah. Oh, good. Ah, good, I feel it. I see other people raising other people's arms. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, one of the things I've discovered, like in, in North America in particular, is, is that we worry a lot. And uh, I don't know if I've shared this before, but um, I think it was about two years ago, the WHO, the World Health Organization, listed anxiety as the number two disorder in the world. And given a lot of the things that have been happening in the world, especially in, in recent years, I wouldn't be surprised if it's number one now. And so what I wanted to say this morning is that if you struggle at all with worry and anxiety, I would invite you to come alongside me and we're going to read Jesus' teaching about worry and anxiety. And that is found in the book of Matthew in chapter 6. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament and we're going to read Jesus' teaching about worry and anxiety, okay? Do you, anybody need a Bible? we got some Bibles coming down the aisle. Most of you got it memorized, all right? That's fine. <laughs> all right, so Matthew. Oh, there's one. Uh, does the Bible need over there to the left or to my left? Yeah, yeah, cool. 
All right, so Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus' teaching. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. The beginning in verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or in some of your translations it might say money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how, you're, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Lord Jesus, this is your teaching. We've been worshiping you with our voices. Uh, with our giving, and now we want to worship you with our ears, with our hearts, and so we pray that you would speak to us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive from you this morning, and then the courage to respond with our lives what you teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, now, this passage that I just read, at first glance, it may seem a little disconnected, doesn't it? I mean, you got a little bit of teaching about treasures, then some conversation about the eyes, then there's stuff about, you know, money and, and masters, and then this section on worry. And it seems a little disconnected. And then we read verse 25, and it's a famous verse. We'll read, it says, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. And and, and some of you may have received encouragement cards over the years and these Hallmark cards, and you open it up, and it has this teaching, therefore do not worry. And you look at it and you say, thank you. Yes, I should not worry. <laughs> Were it that easy. Um, but one of the things that we need to realize is Jesus says something interesting in, in verse 25. He says, therefore, do not worry. Or some of your translations, it may say, for this reason, do not worry about your life. What is the reason that Jesus is referring to? And could it be that our worry 
and our anxiety is connected to decisions we make about treasure, our eyes, and our masters. See, I wonder if this is all connected. Could it be that our anxiety and our worry is linked to the state of our hearts? What I'd like to do this morning is I want to look at this passage. And as we look at this passage, I think we're going to discover three things. Three laws of the heart that Jesus reveals to us in this passage. Three movements of the heart or three laws of the heart. And at each law of the heart, Jesus brings us to a point where we need to make a decision. And the first law of the heart that we come across in this passage is this. Is that as human beings, we all treasure treasures. We all treasure treasures. Jesus says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The passage literally says, do not treasure treasures. Now we need to recognize right from the get-go that every single one of us treasure treasures. Right? Every, every human being is an investor of some sorts. We're constantly looking for and investing in some kind of security against the uncertainties of tomorrow. And Jesus says, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. To treasure something is not a sin. In fact, investing in the future to deal with the present is not a bad thing at all. It's, it's actually wise. And what's more, Jesus says, it's okay to, tre- not only can you treasure things, but you can treasure things for yourself. It's okay to treasure things for yourself. So this passage is not about being selfish or not being selfish. It's, we're, it's okay to treasure treasures for ourselves. The issue is this, what kind of treasure do you treasure? Will you treasure treasures on earth or will you treasure treasures in heaven? Now, when Jesus talks about treasuring treasures in heaven, he's not saying, you know what, don't worry about this life. Just wait till you die. You know, deal with life. And when you die, things will be okay. And then because your treasures in heaven. That's not what he's saying. When the Bible talks about heaven, it's actually talking about not so much a location, but where God is present. It's talking about the presence of God. Will we treasure the things on earth or will we treasure the things of God? His kingdom purposes for our life and for this world. And so the issue that Jesus is getting at is the issue of durability. Why should we not treasure treasures on earth? Because they're insecure. They may promise a good promise, but they will not deliver. They will be destroyed by what? By moth, by rust, or be stolen by thieves. Right? So what is a moth? The moth represents treasures that will wear out. These are treasures that we're initially excited about, but will wear out, will break down, or become outdated. Let me give you an example. There was a time in my family's life when I was a kid, my parents, my parents treasured a treasure. And do you know what they treasured? They treasured a brand new 8-track tape playing hi-fi. Anybody remember 8-track tapes? I mean, who thought of that? <laughs> but I remember when 8-track tapes came out, it was like, this is so cool. Now, for those of you who don't know, you'd play this 8-track tape, it'd start playing a song, the song would fade out, 
and it would start fading in again. And so my parents had a hi-fi, and we had 8-track tapes. And at first, it seemed very cool. It seemed very good. But what seemed so exciting, what seemed like such a treasure, was not a treasure in about six months when <laughs> it faded out. That's when cassettes came in. Um, no. So he talks about the moth. The moth of things are treasures, but they wear out. Rust are treasures which erode over time. And, and I think the best example of treasures that we treasure here, especially here in the West, on the, le- on the West Coast, is the treasure of our bodies. Many people, especially here in the West Coast, treasure having fit bodies. I mean, we like being fit, don't we? And so we'll do things like strange things. We'll, we'll, we'll eat kale, right? <laughs> like, we, 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 we consume some strange things. We, 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 we work out. We, we set up our, our phones so that we can keep track of our steps, you know, how many steps did I take today? And, and we end up going for longer walks. We install Pokemon Go so we go on longer walks. And, and that's okay. It's okay. It's, it's okay to treasure fitness. That's okay. But the problem is, you know the problem. Well, let me put it. I just turned 50. I know the problem. Um, is that over time, the body begins to erode. And what we treasure inevitably Despite what the Facebook ads say to me, my body will eventually erode over time. And that's, that's the picture Jesus is giving us. You know, things, things rust away, right? And then finally he talks about the thief. And the thief represents treasures which can suddenly be stolen away. I was sharing this passage to a congregation in Alberta, in Calgary. And I said, you guys know about treasures that can be stolen away. Because I'm, I'm speaking to a congregation, people who had bought a house, bought a car, because the oil industry was going crazy, and almost overnight, all their houses, all their, all their treasures were gone. And we try to work against this. We try to, to, to fight against this. So we buy gold, we diversify our investments, we buy property on the Westwood Plateau, we get a security system, we, I, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't help. Because we live in very uncertain times. Now, Jesus is teaching us. He says, this is important. What you treasure is really important. Why? Because where your treasure is, what will be? Your heart's going to be there, right? Your heart's going to follow your, your investments. And Jesus is saying, there's only one solid investment, one treasure that will deliver, one treasure that will never wear out, which will not rust, which can never be stolen, and that is the treasure of God, His work, His presence, His kingdom. So what choice are we facing? We need to ask ourselves the question, what treasure do you treasure? Okay? That's the first law that we come across. We all treasure treasures. The second law is this. We all see the world through a lens. Look at verse 22. Verse 22, Jesus says this. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And the second law is we all see the world through a lens. We all hold deeply held assumptions about the way the world works. And how you see the world, how you see the world shapes how you live your life. Would you agree? Right? How you see the world shapes how you live. 
And so Jesus is teaching us about light and darkness. He says, your life will be shaped by what you fix your eyes upon. And when we look at our lives and when we look at our world rightly, our lives and our, 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 our bodies will be full of light. But there's also a way of looking at the world that will lead to darkness. Now let me ask you this. Could it be that there's so much fear and anxiety in our world and in our lives because of where we're fixing our eyes? There's a lot of darkness in this world. And, and if you're like me and you have a tablet or you're on your phone, your smartphone, you and I are inundated with images of a lot of darkness in this world. Would you agree? And I think it's exacerbated by the fact that we live in such a, a technological society that not only do we see a lot of the horrible things in this world, we're seeing them in real time. So we're, we're actually seeing videos of murders, of, of live murders. We're actually seeing videos of, 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 of a terrorist attack. We're seeing this in live, live streams. And I think this affects our hearts. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying for a moment that as Christians we need to bury our heads in the sand, that we need to close our eyes and to close our ears to the evils of this world. That's not what I'm saying. But I wonder if we are constantly filling our eyes with all the darkness that we see in the world, if that does not affect our hearts. Because what happens is if, if, if we are constantly looking at the darkness in this world, I think it creates a sense of anxiety in our hearts. And you know what we forget? We forget something really important. We forget the cross. Right? We forget that, yes, there's suffering in this world, but Jesus has died for this world, that Jesus has died for our sins. And, and, and we forget that evil has been defeated once and for all on the cross. And you know what else we forget? We forget that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the worst thing that we experience in this world will never be the last thing. Let me repeat that. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we forget if we're always scrolling on this stuff, we forget that the worst thing that we could ever experience in this world will never be the last thing. The last thing, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the last thing will always be joy, life, and hope. You agree? Okay, yeah. we forget that. We, and, but if, 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 if you keep your head down, and if your eyes are always fixed down, you're going to miss that. And so the decision we face is this. Where are you and I going to fix our eyes? There's a guy named E. Stanley Jones. He says this. What gets your attention gets you. So what's getting your attention? Now let's get to the third law. The third law is verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the law three is this. The first law is you, uh, we all treasure treasures. The second law is we all see the world through a lens. The third law is this. We all serve some kind of God. 
that our hearts are made to worship. And the question is, who or what are we going to worship? Does anybody remember Bob Dylan? Yeah? Somebody says I try not to or no? <laughs> Bob Dylan has this tune, has a song called You Gotta Serve Somebody. Do you remember that one? And it goes like this. I won't sing it. But I'll quote it. Yeah, oh, no, really. <laughs> I drop tunes more than I carry them. Um, <laughs> Bob Dylan says this, You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be a heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But what? Yeah, you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And Jesus is teaching us in this passage is that you can only serve one God at a time. Nobody can serve two masters. Now, notice Jesus does not say you ought not to serve two masters. That's not what he's saying. He says you can't. He's offering us a picture of reality. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, what is mammon? Mammon is any stuff that we trust in. Any stuff other than the living God that you and I put our trust in. So it could be good things. It could be family. It could be all sorts of good things. The problem comes when we put our ultimate trust in anything or anyone other than God. That is why when you look at the Ten Commandments, what's the first commandment? You shall have no other God before me. Why does God say this? Because, hey, I'm God. You ought to worship me because I'm God. I'm the big guy. No. God knows this. He says, you shall have no other God before me because anything else, when you put your trust in anything else or anyone else other than God, you're putting your trust in a God that will fail. It'll be a God that will fail. That only God, the living God, can bear the weight of your soul. And God knows this. He created you. He designed you. And he knows that you can only live the life that he wants you to live when you put your trust in him. Any other God, even really good things, are gods that fail. And so Jesus is teaching us today that you and I are always on the brink of idolatry. Our hearts are always producing idols. So what are the idols in our life? Do you know the idols in your own life? Do you know the things that you'll probably put your trust in before God? Do you know there's a way of finding out the idols in your life? I'm drawing this from, uh, from Daryl Johnson, who's uh, every pastor quotes in the West Coast. <laughs> Daryl Johnson in his teaching on, on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, there's a way to find out the idols in your life. And, and you find out the idols in your own heart by asking yourself four questions. You want to know what those four questions are? Here's the first question. What is it that gives you hope when you look to the future? When you think about the future, what is it that gives you hope? Where do you find your hope? In a good job? In your children, in your retirement, any answer other than the living God is a potential mammon in your life. 
Okay? So where do you find hope? Here's a second question. What is your greatest delight? What is your greatest joy? Any answer other than the living God is a potential mammon. Now, the third question I think is key, especially for me. What am I afraid of? What are you afraid of? And that, this is a clue to your mammon. Do you fear rejection? Do you fear criticism? Maybe your mammon is reputation. Do you worry that things will not work out the way you plan them to work out? Maybe your mammon is control. <laughs> That's my mammon right there. And here's the last one. Where do you resist God's word? Where do I resist God's word? When you read God's word, if you read his word, are there themes that you skip over and other themes that you gravitate towards? This is a, a real danger for pastors, right? To preach just passages you want to preach <laughs> and avoid other passages. These questions, I think, expose the idols of our hearts. So what is the decision that we are facing? The decision is this. Whom will I serve? Will I serve God or the idols of my life? Now, many of you here this morning would say, if I asked you, who do you treasure more than anyone else? You'd say, I treasure God. If I say, where do you fix your eyes? you say, I fix my eyes on heaven. <laughs> if I say, whom do you serve? I serve the living God. Yeah, you give me all, all the right answers. But here's the problem. We may be deceiving ourselves. We may give all the right answers to all these questions, but you and I may be deceiving ourselves. With our lips, we can claim the right treasures, the right light, the right masters in our lives, but is it true? Well, there's a way to find out. See, the choices we make about these three laws of the heart affect our state of being. And this state of being affects our day-to-day -li day lives. Now get this, this is key. The state of being that comes from treasuring the wrong treasure, that comes from focusing on the wrong things, that comes from serving things other than God, what is the state of being? Anxiety and worry. And that's what the last pa part of the passage e explores. You want to treasure treasure here on earth? You want to get that education that you desire? You want to buy that condo that you, you, you want? You want to put together that perfect retirement plan? You want to make those perfect investments, marry that perfect person, live that perfect lifestyle, thinking that this is going to make you happy? Well, that's going to affect where you, where, where, where you fix your eyes, right? If you treasure treasure things on earth, where are your eyes going to be fixed? Your eyes are going to be fixed down here. We begin to fix our eyes on things that we think will deliver, but won't deliver. And this, in turn, reveals wrong masters of our lives. Wrong, these idols in our lives. And all this produces, what does it produce? Anxiety. So do you struggle with anxiety? 
Do you struggle with a nervous restlessness where you never feel secure and you never feel at rest? Anybody feel that way? This could be the test. So some of you might be thinking this morning, well, that's great. Thanks, David. Jesus is telling me not to worry. I worry. Thanks. What am I going to do? How do I deal with this? Well, fortunately, Jesus teaches us. He lays out three things, three responses. How do we deal with anxiety and worry in our lives? Three things. One is this, remember. Look at verse 27. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink about your body or what you'll wear. Jesus says, worrying is actually useless. How many of you, by worrying, can add a single day to your life? Jesus lays it out. He says, worrying is unproductive unless you want to produce an ulcer or high blood pressure, then it is productive. And here's the thing. I heard this from a, from a friend of mine, and I think it's so true. That Jesus will give you all that you require to deal with the struggles and the temptations and the challenges of this day. Amen? Jesus will not give you strength to deal with the imagined outcomes of tomorrow. You with me on this? Jesus is not going to give you strength to deal with all the imagined scenarios that may happen or what if this happens tomorrow or the day after. He will only give you the strength to get through what you're going to deal with today. I think that's so key. Because often we want Jesus to give us strength for all these scenarios that may or may not happen tomorrow that we worry about. So he says, remember, remember worrying is actually useless. Second thing is this. He calls us to look. The clarity of the vision shapes the quality of the journey. Look at verse 26. Jesus says this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or sow in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He says, look. Now, let me put this practically. Jesus is calling us to shift our focus from screen to the creation. To shift our attention from our screens <laughs> to his creation. Jesus teaches us, he says, look. Look away from what is causing you anxiety and look at creation. Start looking. Take a long look. And we might say, are you kidding me? you kidding me? Do you know what's going on in the world today, Jesus? And do you want me to look at birds? I mean, there's trouble in the Middle East. There's trouble with the economy. And you want me to go outside and look at some stupid birds. Really? And Jesus says, yes. And you say, well... That's being unrealistic, Jesus. And Jesus said, no. It's being fully realistic. How? Because by looking at the birds, we're reminded that our lives are in the hands of God. That our lives, our futures, 
are in the hands of God. Do you believe this? Look at the lilies of the field, Jesus says. If God cares for the flowers, will he not care for you? So it's not a question of closing our eyes or plugging our ears and ignoring the realities of the world. But it's seeing the world through the right perspective. You with me? I remember years ago, and, and this is me being a goof, um, I, was, I was in a class, and I was uh, taking this class, and sometimes I do this in class, I don't know why, I'm one of those annoying students. Um, I started giving a speech, which I thought was an awesome speech, um, in front of all my classmates and my professors, and talking about the challenges that the church faces in the midst of all the suffering and all the things that are going on in the world. How is the church going to rise up? How is the church going to deal with this? The church needs to... Oh, it was a great speech. It was, I was going, and I thought people were going to be weeping or clapping their hands pretty soon. And my professor, strangely, was not impressed. So I get to the end of my speech about all the needs of the world and what the church needs to do, and he just looks at me, and he says, David, he goes, you're forgetting one thing. He goes, what about God's sovereignty over this world? <laughs> and all my hot air went... <laughs> but he's right. And we see all the stuff that's going on in the world, and it does create a sense of anxiety, does it not? But do we really, really believe that God is sovereign over all history? Do we believe that? <laughs> do we believe it here? Jesus calls us to look. Look at the birds. <laughs> look at the lilies. Our lives, our future is in the hands of God. And the last thing is this, is seek. Bundle up all your anxious energy and channel it rightly. Look what Jesus says in verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus calls us to seek that which cannot be shaken. Seek that which will not rot, rust, or be stolen from us. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what it looks like for me. So I'm lying awake in the middle of the night because I have insomnia, right? But often I'm lying awake and my heart is full of anxiety. I got three kids and I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about traveling. <laughs> I look at the world and I'm worried about terrorism. I'm worried about life-destroying worldviews pervading our schools, pervading our world. I'm worried about the world that my kids may grow up in. I think about tuition. I'm worried about how we're going to pay for my kids' tuition. I'm worried about the economy. We live in Coquitlam, so I worry about an earthquake. I, I tell you, I'm awake. <laughs> I worry about how am I going to protect those I love? How am I going to secure my assets? How am I going to control the outcomes? Anybody like that? 
And then I come face to face with the reality that I do not have control. And I need to walk away. I need to be reminded of this every day. That God the Father really is in control. And he invites you and me to seek him in his ways. And here's the thing. That God the Father really is as loving and good and kind and powerful as his son Jesus says he is. Right? And that God the Father really does love Matthew, Hannah, and Rachel, my children, more than I love them. And I don't know the future, but I know he does. And I do know this. I mean, one of the promises of Scripture is this, is that you and I in this world will face trouble. So one of the guarantees of this life is a life of suffering. And so I, I need to expect suffering. And I think as our culture changes, I think as followers of Jesus Christ, that call to suffering, especially here in the West, is going to become really pronounced. But I need to remember this, is that in my suffering, I encounter Jesus. Right? As we sang, that Jesus, with, he's acquainted with suffering and will meet us in our suffering. And I'll also remember this, that no matter what I experience, no matter what my kids experience, no matter what suffering we go through, the worst thing we'll experience will never be the last thing. The last thing will always be life, joy, love, and the presence of God. Now, I need to remember that. I need to remember that nothing can separate me from his love. And when these realities form my treasure, and when my eyes are fixed on the light of the world, and when my life is really laid out before him, then something happens. Rather than being overwhelmed with fear and anxiety, I begin to live a life of love and trust. Do you long for this life? That is what Jesus is inviting you into this morning. Let's pray.